Okay, today is Tuesday. Yudalid Shvat. Yesterday was a Gimel Shvat, tomorrow's Tuba Shvat. I wasn't here yesterday, I'm not here tomorrow. Um, so let me just tell you something about these two dates. Yesterday was the yard site of the Rebetzish Tennis Sada, the Friedrich Rebbe's mother, the previous Rebbe's mother. And um, she passed away in Tafshim Bays, 1942. And her son, the Rebbe, was in Chicago. And I just saw somebody sent around the Rishime, uh, I think in the name of Label Groner, that the Chassidim did not want the Rebbe to go to Chicago because they remembered that when the Rebbe Rashab's mother passed away, he was also away from Lubavitch. And they sort of felt that the Rebbe is going to be around, she'll be okay. The Rebbe went to Chicago and she passed away on Shabbos. Yudimul Shvat Tov Shimbez, 1942, was Shabbos. And it was for her that they bought the plot. The Agudas Chassidim Chabad bought the plot in Montefiore Cemetery. The Rebbe went and he bought it. He put down a thousand dollars, which was a lot of money, for a deposit for that spot, for that chelker for Agudas Chassidim Chabad. He went with Kazanovsky. And of course, the story is that she passed away exactly the same way as her mother-in-law. And all the details are striking. What happened was, the Rebbe Zedifka passed on Friday, Yud Shvat, Tafre Shain Dalet, last year was 100 years, uh, 1914. And uh, she passed away on a Friday morning. The Rebbe Rashab was away. I think he was in, he was in Menton, he was in France, if I'm not wrong. And what happened was that she had been sick and she was actually feeling a little bit better and she was feeling so much better that the Rebbe Rayatz wrote to his father that there's no reason for him to come home he was thinking to come home because she'd been feeling sick all week and then she was pushed feeling better so the Rebbe sent his father a telegram he can stay in Menton and then she passed away very suddenly she, he went into her Friday morning just like he's still davening, she davened, he handed her a siddin, and then after davening, he took the siddin back from her, and midach that the maister was, that he gave her a glass of water, and she made a bracha shahakal, he took her siddin, to put it down on the mantle, he took her siddin, to put it on the mantle, and when he came back, she was gone, that's how she passed away, so he sent his father, three telegrams that day, one telegram said, your mother's not doing well, the second telegram said, she's very not doing well, and the third telegram said, there's no reason for you to come. The Levi was on Friday. It was a short Friday. It was very cold. And the Rebbe Rayatz made all the arrangements. And uh, he was so emotional, he was so upset about her histalkus, that Pashat, he couldn't walk. Two Bacharim were holding him. And they heard him muttering to himself as they came back from the Levi. First he said, the crime from the Meshpach is up. That means the crown was lifted from the family. And then later he said, Ah, Agasting Ganeid Shabbos. Imagine, hours after she passed, I guess, in other words, she'll be by Shabbos, she'll be Ganeidin. Agasting Ganeidin of Shabbos, the Friedrich Rebbe, said this by his grandmother's Levaya. She, she was a Zivik Shaini, she was a second wife of the Rebbe Marash. The Rebbe's first wife passed away shortly after the wedding, months after the wedding. So the Rebbe Rayatz made the decision to bury her in the men's section. You don't bury two women married to the same man in the same cemetery. So she buried her to Coppins, head head to in the men's section. And that's where she lays today. There's a Matzeva. Right after Shabbos, he got on a train and he went to Menton. He went to see his father. 
And when it came to his father, the first words out of his father's mouth were voiced at Where did you put her? And he said to Cottons, Het had the Rebbe Marash. And the Rebbe Rashab said, Good, it would have moved her even if he had not made a condition. And then he described her ptida. And his mother, the Rebbe Tishtam Sada, got very excited. She clapped her hands and said, Oy, I wish by me would be the same. And that's exactly what happened. It was Shabbos morning. The Friedrich Rebbe was away in Chicago. And the Rebbe, the Ramash, as he was called then, stayed in New York. The Rebbe stayed in New York. And she was in the middle of davening. She was holding nishmas. The Rebbe has it written down in his own journal. The Rebbe wrote it down himself in his diary. And I don't remember precisely. But the Toichin is, she asked me for a glass of water, which she brought her. And I think she gave him a bracha. And then she passed away. Right after drinking a shakal and making a bracha. Maybe she even gave him a bracha, but I don't remember that detail. Naturally, after Shabbos, the Rebbe was informed, and the Rebbe wanted to come home. And uh, they showed him a list of people who had to go into Yechidus, and the Rebbe waited a day longer to have people Yechidus with an oinah, and then he came back to New York. They found later in her will that she had written that she's Moichel on the Dabar and Fiyamit. She knew how hard it was for the Rebbe to speak, and she wrote in her will that it's not necessary for the Rebbe to Dabar for her, and after a little while, a week or two or three, the Rebbe stopped davening for his mother and a Pshmuel of it and davened for her, for him instead. Now, the, the thing that blows my mind, the part of this whole story which really blows my mind, is this. The Friedrich Rebbe came back by train from New York Sunday night. The Rebbe that Amash, the Rebbe of Gesundheit, went to the train to greet him. And he got on the train. And the Levaya had been held, the Rebbe was still being held. And the Rebbe Rayatz, the first words that the Friedrich Rebbe said to the Rebbe, what do you think they were? What the first thing? Your mother's laying, literally between heaven and earth. What are the first words the Friedrich Rebbe said to the Rebbe when he saw him Sunday night? The first words out of the Friedrich Rebbe's mouth were, quote, Dartin is Gevena Which means, my trip to Chicago was successful. <laughs> the, the idea that he's an oval and an and that his mother's waiting for him for the Levaya was not on the agenda. What was on the agenda was the Yiddishkeit work that the Rebbe and the Rebbe were doing together. Darkness given a That was the Friedrich Rebbe said. It's a remarkable story. It's a remarkable thing. He ended up not even going to the Levaya. The doctors didn't let him and all kinds of pressure was brought. He stayed in 770. He never ever went to his mother's tea. The first time he went to Montefiore Cemetery was for his own Levaya. And um, he used to send letters, Pidyanis and Tzian, and he used to write in them based on the settle which I'm going to read in my room, he used to say, because he didn't want Fremda, Fremda to see what he was writing. Uh, so the Levi was Monday. Tezvav, he says, Tu B'Shvat, Yudimu Shvat. Now tomorrow is Tu B'Shvat, and of course, Tu B'Shvat was Rishon Ali'ilon, Rishon Ali'ilonis. And Mestama, you know, the the Machlekes B'Shamay and B'Shilo. Like B'Shamay says, that Tu B'Shvat is the Shchedish the and Beis Hillel says Shchedish is Tu B'Shvat and what's the basis for the Machlekes the basis of Machlekes is can you make a Rosh Hashanah when you don't yet see any signs of it right the trees hibernate they go to sleep and when it comes the new when the spring comes in Etisro we're talking now of course the trees wake up which is why trees have rings and when the tree wakes up the tree has its new ring, it begins Reshchedish. But two weeks later, the Lashon that Chazal bring is that the sap, the moisture which is under the ground and the roots, starts going back into the tree Reshchedish. 
Two weeks later, you see the first blossoms, the first fruits, the first whatever it is. We wait two weeks. In other words, you don't make the Shoshana on Rishchidosh. We make the Shoshana on Tu Bishvat because that's when you're able to see it. You're able to see that there's blossom, that there's new uh, signs of life, as it were. The Rebbe has these letters which he wrote in the early 40s explaining Tu Bishvat. And he makes the point that the reason for trees is fruit. Why do you have trees? The trees should produce fruit. And why do you have fruit? They should produce more trees. So even though the life of the tree is not in the fruit, faket, the fruit is a cost for the tree, the point of the tree is the fruit. So I just want to say two points about a fruit. The first point about a fruit is that it produces another tree, which is of course the point of it all, life continues. And from one seed you can have an ain't sof. But there's another thing about a fruit. And the second thing about a fruit is that fruit are for people to eat. Fruit are the Eden or the Tainum. Fruit are for people to eat. Which uh, brings out something very, very, very important. Everybody understands that there's a cycle of life. Everybody understands there's a cycle of life. But the Goyesha cycle of life is a circle. A circle means everything feeds everything else and there's really no difference between one part of the circle and the other part of the circle. The Toyota cycle of life also is a cycle of life, but it's not a circle. It's a straight line. Where the mineral feeds the plant, that feeds the animal, that feeds the person, and the person serves the Abishta. And the Abishta created his world that there should be a cycle of life which is, which is cyclical, everything should feed everything, everything needs everything, and everything feeds everything. But the pnimius of that circle, although the chitzainius is that it's a circle, the pnimius is that everything should be raised up. The Abishta created an earth, and there should be plants and fruits. There should be an animal, there should be a human being, and the human being should serve the Yevishter. And it is this second concept of the cycle of life, which is the basis for Reish Hashanah. In other words, the reason time has units, and that there's heads, and that there's beginnings, and that there's ends, and that you're starting over, is only because of Adam. If there'd be no people on this planet, there wouldn't be a world, but if there'd be no people on this planet, there'd be no Rosh Hashanah, no beginnings. It just be, everything just keeps on going. The reason you have a stop and a start and the Reish Hashanah is because there's a human being who serves the Eivishter. And the human being serves the Eivishter with everything that he has, including the time itself. And because the human being serves the Eivishter, even with the time itself, the time itself is divided up into ordinary time and into special time. So you're talking about Rosh Hashanah Le'ilah, and you talk about Tu Bishvat, it's being Reish Hashanah is for the tree and for the fruit, but it's being Rosh Hashanah Le'ilah is for... The fact that the fruit is feeding a person. The Abishta made a new year for trees that the tree should be renewed to feed a person. The person should be able to serve the Abishta. And that's really the primis, the meaning of the words, other mates hasode. Other mates hasode, there's a, there's a lot of different types. Other mates hasode means that the point of eight hasode is Adam. And you have to see to it that the eight hasode should serve Adam and not the other way around. So there you have it. I gave you a vart on your Gimel Shvat. And I gave you a vart on Tu Bishvat, and now we're going to do back, back to Yud Shvat. Now, over the last couple of weeks, we did our uh, Yud Shvat preparation based, of course, on the limitations of time. What has to happen now is that we need to pay our bills, which means, say, we did all the Yud Shvat stuff that we needed to do for this year. Pay the K, we did the Lamed Hay, and other things. 
This is a mind from Tav Shin Men Gimel, 1983. As you know, with Hashem's help and great kindness, we learned the Maimarim of the Rebbe Al-Asaydit. We go in order, we learn the Maimarim of the Rebbe backwards. So we did Memches. I love to, I love this count. It gives me such pleasure. Memches, Memzayid, Memvov, Memhei, Memdalad. Five whole years of the Maimarim we learned. And by the way, they're all available online. You can take them. And now we're doing uh, Mem Gimel. And we're holding Basi Lagani Mem Gimel. So I need to explain to you what this means. This year, Tafshin Ayin Hay, 19, what are the other year, 2015, is Pedic The Pedic um, the, uh, associated with this year is chapter 5, the fourth time around, chapter 5. Okay, now, but this is not Pedic This is Pedic Gimel, this is chapter 13. Because this is following, we're not following a pattern of my modern Abbasi Lagani. We're following the pattern of my modern that we're learning based on the yearly cycle. And based on the yearly cycle, this is Pedic Yud Gimel. So what's going to happen today is as follows. I am going to reintroduce Basi Lagani to you, okay? I'll give you a short version of Basi Lagani. You heard it twice, you'll hear it a third time. Or you heard it three times, you heard it a fourth time. Whatever number of times we did it. And then we're going to learn the prefix of this mime. Because what used to happen every year was every mime began Basi Lagani. And every Maimah, the Rebbe would journey through the Maimah from the beginning until the Pedic, which was exclusive to that year. So by the time the Rebbe was holding in the 13th year, we had to review almost three quarters of Basi Lagani as part of the prefix. The Rebbe does not get to the relevant Pedic until page Pebeis. Two and a half pages are prefix. So we're going to be learning Amit Hashem, the beginning of this Maimah. But let me sort of speak, let me set up Basi Lagani from Ephraim Kloli. I want to tell you the basic point of Basi Lagani. And then we'll journey through the Maimed until the point that we're holding, of course, with the help of the Eivishter. Number one, Basi Lagani has two basic messages. There's two basic points of Basi Lagani. The first point in Basi Lagani is, V'asso li miktash v'shachante b'seha. To make the Eivishter the base miktash. And to make the Eivishter the base miktash, which is ultimately the whole world. There was a small space. The is to make the whole world into a Beis HaMikdash. How do you make the world into a Beis HaMikdash? The basic message is, You make the world into a Beis HaMikdash by struggling with the world, by engaging with the world, as opposed to isolating yourself from the world. Now, in Iskafevis, Hapcha, the Rebbe gave us three examples. Karbonis, Shtus, which is the topic of this year, Tavshinayin Hei, and transforming Shekhet to Kedesh. The second half of Basi Lagani is about who makes the Beis HaMikdash. And the Beis HaMikdash is made by the Tzivas Hashem, by the soldiers. An army consists of three classes. That's how this minor works. There's a Melech, there's a king, there's the Sariyat Tzavit, there's the officers, and then there's the Ishchayel, there's the common soldier. When a king engages in war, depending on what kind of war it is, sometimes he trusts his generals. And sometimes he trusts nobody. And in those instances where he trusts nobody, he's Machnes Esat from Betatsisi Mochome, he gets a vow personally. What's the difference? If he's fighting a war, Lishlil Shalom, the lover's vase, for conquest, to acquire more. He trusts his generals. But if he's fighting a war, 
of Nitzachin, if he's fighting a war of survival, then he trusts no one and he engages himself. So the Bosi Ligani describes a Melech who personally gets involved in a war. And the reason he's getting personally involved in the war is talking about Muhammad Nitzachin. So he says the king is personally involved, that's number one. Number two, he's Mavazbe's color exodus. That means to say, he opens up and distributes all of the treasure. And number three, that he's Mashlechai of Minevi. That means to say, the king actually gives away his life in order to win the war. Most of the second half of the Maimon, the second half of the Maimon, you'll see the most of it talks about the second thing. And the second thing is, he distributes, he gives out all the treasure. So here we have a Maimon Basi Lagani, and I'm going to start learning with you momentarily. Let's get a very quickly journey through the first point, which is the Shkafi and move on to the second point of Tzivis Hashem. And he's going to start talking about the Bizbos Ha'aitzis, that the king dispenses of the treasure with, with, with a recklessness. But the Rebbe is going to do something which the Rebbe does a lot. And on a certain level, it makes you crazy. And in another level, it really gets you. The Rebbe is going to deliberately mistranslate the Maimed. <laughs> on purpose, he's going to explain the Maimed, as they say in Yeshivish, Befeidish, not like the Maimed was meant. He's going to spin the Maimed in a direction which was not intended, because the Rebbe wants to say something different. And that's what makes this so interesting, this Maimed. So, I'm going to start from the beginning, I'm going to learn with you from the beginning, and we're only going to get as far as the review, we're going to review the Maimon. I am going to show you how the Rebbe misinterprets the Friedrich Rebbe's Maimon, and I'm going to leave you on a cliff, that's where we're going to stop. Today is Tuesday, we had on Thursday, I'm hoping, I'm not promising, I'm hoping that on Thursday we'll complete the Maimon. My intent is, Thursday we should finish the Maimon together. In other words, we're going to learn a lot more Thursday than today. But that's my intent. But today I'm going to give you the introduction. There's a couple of ideas that the Rebbe mentions that are a bit different, or a bit unusual, a bit distinct, and then we're going to move on. Okay, so let's begin from the beginning. This is 1983. Tov Shin Mem Gibel. The Rebbe is saying a Maimed on Pedic Shleish. I said the 13th chapter of Bas Lagani for the second time around. So he begins, Basi Lagani, I have come back to the garden that used to be mine. my sister, my bride. In other words, the Yidin. And he brings the Medrash. And the Medrash says that the Shekhinah was once here. And then the Yidin did Avedes, people did Avedes, and the Shekhinah left all the way till the Rikiyashvi. And then the Shekhinah came back down over the course of seven generations. And the seventh Generation was Meisha Rabbeinu, Meisha Rabbeinu brought the Shekhinah back down, Lamata So if you look on page Pei, it's about 10 lines into the page. At the beginning of the line it says, Dargas Ikir When the Ebrister created the world, Ikir the highest level of Shekhinah was in this earth. And that's the level that returned by Meisha Rabbeinu by Har Sinai, Lamata. Maybe the three Rebbe brings in his Maimed the following quote Istalik, that means that they say there is an expansion of Yekara the Kachabrichu, the glory of HaKadosh Baruch Hu Bekulu Omen in all of the world the Pirush Bekulu Omen who, what does it mean 
at the glory of HaKadosh Baruch Hu expands in all of the worlds, Shubakulu Alamin B'Shavet, in all of the worlds in an equal way. Shazem Moira, which shows the great level of this level. It's a level of light. All together above. Any relativism to the world, it's hidden from the world. The way it comes down is in all of the worlds in an equal way. And the Rebbe continues. The Zehu Gam sits is a level of light which is in all the worlds equally, which is the Madrega of Seder. This is why Hamshachas Eir the denotation for the bringing down of this light is the word Nistalkus. Now, ask an average Jew, what does Nistalkus mean? Nistalkus means to go away. A tzaddik passes away, we call it Nistalkus, that means he left this earth. But Hasidus doesn't translate the word Nistalkus as a departure. How does Hasidic trans- Hasidus translate the word Nistalkus? Istalik, an expansion of the glory of all the world, says the Rebbe, it's the revelation of light. Of light, pardon me. Hasev of Kolaman, which is hidden from all the worlds, which is available on this earth in a way called Reimimus. And you see in footnote 7, you see, this hasn't taken it if not the Rebbe already. This is how the Rebbe tries the word to stop. You know that a few weeks, or even less than a few weeks, after the Rebbe Layat passed away, the Rebbe said once publicly, as divas taichen histalkus, as the smenta vegans and imprayodo. If you translate the word Nistalkus and it means to go away, you're a fool. You're a player, you're a wild person. Because we know what the word Nistalkus means. And we know what the word Nistalkus means based on what the Fidel Kebbe says in the Maimon. Nistalkus means revealed. But Nistalkus means to go away. And the answer is Nistalkus means to be revealed in a uniform way. Everywhere equal. A light which is revealed everywhere equally has to be higher than all of the worlds together. And the Rebbe adds, not only higher than all the worlds, higher than a relationship with any other worlds. In other words, it's a light of godliness which is true all by itself. And its revelation is called histalkos because it's not previously. You cannot relate internally to an infinite light. You can only relate internally to a finite light. So when there's a revelation of an infinite light to you, it's hovering. The Hebrew word for hovering would be hashroa, or kedusha. The Aramaic word for it is histalkus, available in an indirect way. So that's why you call it tzaddik histalkus, a histalkus, because when a tzaddik passes away, he's available to the world in an indirect way. And by the same token, the level of godliness which a yid reveals through a scaphia of his hapka by struggling with Elam is also called histalkus because it's a revelation of godly light which is indirect. So the Rebbe says the avoid is a scaphia of his hapka, you struggle with Elam and the reward is Dira Betachtedim. You bring the Abish and Bagdad into this world. What is the Abish that you bring the Bagdad into this world? The Friedrich Rebbe calls it Eira Sevev Kalaman, an indirect level of godly life. The Rebbe says it means a light which has no shaykhs to ailments whatsoever, and it's called Histalkis. So, therefore, if you want to know the bottom line, the bottom line is that you could be involved in holy things. And you could be involved in a struggle with Elamazin. And by the way, we don't necessarily have a choice in that matter, right? The Abishta makes these decisions for us. When a person is involved with this world and he struggles with this world, whether it's his choice or whether it's what the Abishta gives him, 
The bottom line is, when a Yid is engaging with the struggle in this world, he doesn't feel very good spiritually. But what he's achieving, the istalguta do yata mishvacha ochra, the Zayah says, that the Benini, the Balchuba struggle, brings down a higher light than the Tzaddik's glory. The Tzaddik experiences great lights, but the Tzaddik doesn't struggle. The Balchuba and the Benini bring, it is very bumpy, very, very, uh, what's the word? Inefficient and not pretty, but he's bringing down a higher light, and that higher light is called Histalkis. And Basi Lagani means that this highest of lights was here and left, and it comes back. And the Rebbe goes on to the next paragraph. The Rebbe goes on to the next paragraph, and he says, Next paragraph, please, page, page, second paragraph. This is why. One of the key points of Meisha Rabbeinu, who Asiyas Hamishkan is the making of the Mishkan. Now you know, one of the things that we struggle with when we learn Basi Lagani is, we start of the Maimah talking about Tzadikim, and we end of the Maimah talking about us. And you're never sure, so what does the Tzadik do, and what is the, uh, what is the Tzadik's job, and what is our job, and so on. And uh, it's, it's not such a simple question. What is the function of the tzaddik? What is the function of the ordinary Jew? In, I saw in one maimed, and I, I forgot the details, but the clause in your says, tzaddikim build the Yebish to the Beis HaMikdash. We bring karbades in the Beis HaMikdash that's already been built. When you learn Basi Lagani, there's this constant interplay. What's the tzaddik's job? What's everybody's job? Or to use the example from the marshal, yeah, there's a king, and there's a soldier. What's the king's role? What's the general's role? And what's the common soldier's role? They all have different roles. When you talk about Dira B'tachtani, we're talking about making this world the home for HaKadosh Baruch Hu. You also have these distinct roles. What does a tzaddik do? And what does a common person do? And if I'm not mistaken, the Rebbe says that's why you have two psukim. In the beginning of the Maimed, the Basra there's two psukim. One psukim is Ba'asr Lemingta B'shachanti B'seichom. And the other psukim is Tzaddikim Yishkiru and I think that the Medrash brings both of these psukim. And I'm speaking from memory now, I didn't look it up, that the Rebbe says the difference with these two psukim is one is speaking about the role of the tzaddik, the Nasi Hadar specifically, his particular task. And the second is how the generation in following the Nasi Hadar carries out what the tzaddik and the Nasi Hadar initiates. But not in all my modern Basil Lagani does the Rebbe start talking these distinctions. It just gets to the point. The point is, you got to build a base on Mikdash. Here, the Rebbe singles out Meishah. He focuses on Meishah Rabbeinu. He says, Meishah Rabbeinu asiyas ha-mishka. Meishah Rabbeinu builds the Mishka. The Neisaf al-Mashat tzivoy al-asiyas ha-mishka on Ha'idei Meishah Rabbeinu. First of all, the commandment to build the base on Mikdash is through Meishah Rabbeinu. Now, four lines from the bottom of page, pay. It says, the Rebbe... After Meshach Rabbeinu instructed how to build the Mishkan, they couldn't put it up. The erection, the standing up, the final construction of the Beis HaMikdash was the Meshach Rabbeinu. So it's ironic. Meshach Rabbeinu did not able to make it. You know that? Meshach was not able to take a hammer and a chisel and build. He gave instructions and then it was built by Bitzal. After it was all complete, he assembled it. He put it together. This was Meshach Rabbeinu's job. But for some reasons, the Abisha did not allow him to participate physically in the construction, except to put it together once it was all done. Why? Three lines from the bottom of page. Pay. The key of the Mishkan is also the Mitzvah Shachanti B'Teich. 
Abishta needs a sanctuary. He wants to live amongst us once the sanctuary is built. In other words, to bring down the highest level of Shechina, which the Rebbe called earlier, into this world. And in order to do this, you have to have Meishar even though we know that building this base on Mikdash and the Abish the rest is by every single individual Jew not just by Meishar Abeinu says the Rebbe Harei ain't Indian Yetzim Midei Pshutei top of page Payalaf now there's a literal version of the story and what is the literal version of the story the Shechina rests in a physical sanctuary okay three lines from the top of page Payalaf to bring down the Shechina from the lowest of the heavens to this earth through him he is the one who gives the instruction and provides the possibility spiritually and physically to build the Beis HaMikdash in other words I'm skipping a line so although the purpose is for the whole world and the task is for all people, but Meishar Abeinu has a critical role to play. Because Meishar Abeinu is the one who brings the Shekhinah back down into this earth. And Meishar Abeinu facilitates that when the Shekhinah comes down into this earth, it should have a place to stay. So Meishar sets it up. So even though we do it, or we complete it, Meishar Abeinu's role is central in this. Meishar Abeinu is the Shvi. The seventh tzaddik, his mom should chin l'matabars. I was at a place. I was at a fabring on Sunday night. So before the formal event, I spoke to some high school girls. So they're asking me an uncomfortable question. I've been asked this question before: How long is a generation? And of course, you understand where the spirit of the question is coming from, and how long are you going to say where the rebbe's chesed and people the shiur? This was the time. How long is the generation? So I answered the question with a question. The Rambam lists. 40 generations from Meishar Abed to Chesim HaSatalmut, the end of the Shas. From the uh, time of Meishar Abenu until Chesim HaSashas is somewhere between 1500 and 2000 years. It's a very long time. You can, you can figure it out. We left Mitzrayim in 2448, right? The second Beis HaMikdash was destroyed in 3828 from 2448 till 3828 is 1400 years. Yeah? Come on. Target yeah? is about 300 years after that. Or 400 years after that. So you're talking now about, how much should I say? 14. It's 17, 1800 years. It's a very, very long time. So I said to these girls, how do you have 40 generations in 1700 years? 40 generations in 700 years, a generation is somewhere between 40 and 50 years. 42, 40. A generation is 42 years. Nobody counts a generation 42. The generation is 20 years. 25 years. That's the Fetzik Medepis. So I told the girls, a generation is a tzaddik. And if you look at that Ambam, when he counts the 40 generations, the first generation is Meshach. Second generation is Yeshua. The third generation is Pinchas ben Elazar ben Nadnakayim. And the fourth generation is Eli Akayim. The fifth generation is Shmuel Anoi. And the sixth generation is Davin Hamel. And I believe the seventh generation is God Hanavi. And the eighth is already Eliyahu. The amount of time that passes between the third generation, fourth generation is hundreds of years. 
Now, it could be Eliezer lived the a very long life. It's possible. But it could also be that until there was no new Nasi, he was the Nasi. Because the Nasi gives a derech. And the derech holds, as I said, what's a generation? A generation is a Rebbe. That's what a generation is. Meishar Abeinu was the seventh generation. But it revolves on him personally. He's the seventh generation as an individual man. And he brings the Shekhinah Lamata Bayonet. So although the whole generation and all of history has that task, but it's centered on Meishar. And if Meisha Rabbeinu was the seventh, the central task of building the Evishter home centered on him specifically. So there's this interplay between all of us doing it and the role of the Tzaddik, the Rebbe, the Nasi. And the Rebbe chooses in this particular moment to point this out. That although it's all of our jobs, there's something very, very specific in this job that relates to Meisha Rabbeinu specifically. And as I told you, the job is accomplished by struggling. So I'm going to continue on page Peyalef. Eight lines in the top. The Mishkan is made from boards called Shittim. And of course, you know what the word Shittim means. Shittim is from the word Shtus, folly, foolishness. And there's the foolishness of the world, which is less than reason. And the avoid is to transform the foolishness of the world to foolishness, which is more than reason, that we call this year Shtus, the Gdush. And then he says, Shamehem Nasu Akrash. What took this board, called Atzeishit, and made from it Kiroshim. What is Kiroshim? What's the shadish of the word Kiroshim? Kedesh. Kuf, Reish, Shit. And when Shikosov, as the Pasuk says, V'osiso esa Kiroshim la Mishkan Atzeishit. And you take these boards of Atzeishit. You stand them vertically and you make from them Kiroshim. And then it says, Kedesh Uesius Sheket. Kedesh, which means a board, is the same letter as the word Sheket, which means a lie. Which is the lie of this world. Which comes from folly, from foolishness, from klipa. And when we transform the shtus of this world into shtus de gdusha, we transform the sheket into this world of this world into a keresh and a keshe in the base of Next paragraph, Vahine. Because there is evil in this world. And there is a falseness in this world. Which opposes the Kedusha. So you have to have to oppose it. You have to have Keresh and Kesher to oppose it. In other words, if the world would be a perfect world, we would all serve Hashem in a reasonable way. But because the world is not a perfect world, we have to struggle. And these struggles, we don't like them. But these struggles bring out deeper questions. And the Rebbe goes on to say, It arouses the attribute called Netzach. Netzach means determination, victory of the Eibishter, which is called Netzach Yisrael the victory of the Eibishter. The Rebbe brings in the mind an example for this. from a king. The blame and nagid that the king has no opponents any cloud. The king doesn't have to dig deep into his pnimis, into his subconscious, and reveal a midah called Netzach. Ma'anig ma'chuzik he governs his nation like his desire. Only when there's an opponent, you have to have midah sanitzach. The reason for this. When you see a physical king, to bring out his midah sanitzach. It requires an opponent. Because the supernal mid of Netach, Messeyeres, Hadiyam and Nagedafkis, aroused by the Abish Tekvayachal having an opponent, 
The reason down here people fight when there is opponents is because up there people fight because there are opponents. Because the wants that the physical earth should reflect Lamayim. Now, what's Midas Hanetzach? Midas Hanetzach is a simple Midas. When you have to fight and win, there's no sophistication. It's simple. It's like pounding your head against the wall. But because it's simple, it's like a fist. Your fingers can do very, very, very sensitive work. They're very dexterous. But fingers don't have that much power. They make a fist, an egg rate. The sophistication of the fingers is gone, but the force of the fist is much stronger. Midas Hanetzach is simple. And in the Lashon Nechassidus, it's atzmiyistic. It's power. It's from the Pneumius Sanchom. It's a very, very powerful force. And a king especially has Midas Hanetzach. But you bring it out only when there's opposition. A king is involved in sophisticated things, in fancy things. When does a king become simple and determined when he has an opposition? And the Rebbe says, the such a high level in the nefesh. And to defeat this opponent, the king reveals, the reveals his treasure which is on high. This example of a physical king, skip the bracket, when the king needs to win a war, particularly if it's a war of survival, which is called Mohammed's Nitochin, whom base he splurges. All the hidden treasures. Which collected over the course of many years from generation to generation. The age, they say, these treasures are so valuable to him. does not use them. doesn't show them at all. Last three words on page Payal of nevertheless. turn over your page. Feel the to win the war in Elaid Akshu Magalas H says he not only reveals these treasures, Vulaid Akshu Mishtamish Bad, not only use these treasures, Elashuma Vazbizis. He gives them out recklessly. Who does he give them to? The generals. But why is he giving them to the generals for the common foot soldier to have these Aitzis to win the war? So this is the deal. You have a Muhammad, because you have opponent, you have Muhammad, and the opponent is a behemoth, and a sheker, which has to be formed into into a carbon for the Abish Teresh, the Gdusha and the Keresh. Who is going to fight this war and win it? The Tzivas Hashem. The Abish wants the Tzivas Hashem to win it, so he gives them a Koyach. And what is this Koyach? The Ifan Eitzel Elyon. And then, of course, the Maimah Bosilagani says, Lohovin Inyan Ha'Eitzel Lamailo. The Rebbe wants to explain the meaning of the word treasure Lamailo. And the Rebbe says, if you look inside seven lines, the top of page Pei Beis, the Rebbe begins with a Moshuk Mosaic. Godliness is the highest of the heights to the lowest of the lows. The supernal treasure has many levels. And the Rebbe says something here which I never saw before. The Rebbe says the lowest level of this treasure is called the treasure of the fear of heaven. And then the Rebbe says there's higher levels of this treasure. And the highest level of this treasure is called Eitzet Ha'amiti, the truth of this treasure. In other words, it ever divided the Eitzet into three Madregas. The lowest level is Eitzet Shayira Shamayim. The second is higher levels. And the third is Eitzet Amiti. And I want you to know, I've never seen this before. I was, I, I was at the Fabreng when the Rebbe said this mic, which of course makes me look terrific. Eh? 
Yeah, I was 17. It isn't, it isn't an excuse. But the bottom line is, the Rebbe says there's madregas in the Yitzit, and the lowest madregas are Yitzit is Yira, but Bechlau doesn't say that. Bechlau always says the madregas Yitzit is only one thing, and Yitzit, Yitzit, Shamayim, Yitzit, Hashem, he Yitzari is the highest madregas. And the Emes, Tarachian, why here he makes Yira Shamayim with only one madreg. And then he says, the Eitzah Zen Nitan, eight lines in the end of the paragraph, this treasure is given over eighth from the Bizbos, Litzivis Hashem, to the army of Hashem, we'll have to fight this war, Lamat. Right? Look at the end of the paragraph. It's not a base. I want to tell We've learned Basilegani for many years. I've learned Basilegani for many years. Okay? Basilegani has a long discussion on this Why? Because he wants to explain the Abishta's treasure. So he explains it by explaining this expression. And he says, what does Lamayla and Ketz mean? Nobody knows what godliness is. Lamata de Tachos, what does it mean? That godliness is everywhere. I'm going to say it again. In the Bossi Lagani, this Tikkun Ezer is explained over the course, I think, of five trucks. And what does he explain? Ein Tzof Lamayla de Ketz means nobody knows what it is. Ein Tzof Lamata de Tachos means nobody is able to shut it out. You have godliness in the sewer. Godliness is everywhere. So the Kavona of the Tikkun Ezer, and bringing it up is to say what? That godness is everywhere and that godliness is revealed everywhere, even the lowest places. So they say in Yiddish, he literally misquotes the Maimon and builds his own mind. Now the Rebbe's not making a mistake. <laughs> the Rebbe is doing what the Rebbe does. He says, when you say that godliness goes to the lowest madreges, that means it has two things. The pashat and What's the pashat and That even the lowest places you have godliness. But there's another thing that this maimet is saying, even though the maimet doesn't mean to say it. And what is that? Who is responsible for the lowest places? God. Correct? The Abish that created the lowest places. Why are the Abish to create the lowest places? Because he wants us to bring godliness to those lowest places. Now normally, that's what the focus is. The focus is that even the lowest places you can find God. So never spins it. And says, even the lowest places are creations of God. In other words, the lowest place in this mime is going to be discussed not because of the Godness that's going to be revealed there, but because of the Klippa. That it is. So the Rebbe takes the Basi Lagani and reads it wrong, so to speak. Look at the next paragraph. Allah Haven in Yelamata we must understand this lowest of levels. How bad it can get. That's the title of these words. How the lowest of the low, not how the lowest of the low is filled with godly light. How the lowest of the low is low. <laughs> so you understand that was not the previous Rebbe's Kavona. The Rebbe is quoting the Friedrich Rebbe incorrectly to make a different point. The previous time explains in chapter 13, skip the bracket. The different levels of how low things can get. Number one, the spiritual worlds of which are holy but low. Number two, you see, I made Roman numerals in your page. Worlds of Klip. Number three, Klipas Pare. You have a Klipa called Pare. Pare is such a Valgaiver that Pare is not only. An independent operator, he's an atheist. He denies the Abishad altogether. So the Rebbe says this Madregas and Klipa. 
And then he says, you know what the Madrigas in Klippa? Because there's Madrigas in Shtus by a person. So if you look six lines from the bottom of the page, he introduces different Madrigas of Shtus by a person. Number one, I'm reading six lines from the bottom of page, Pebez. The person leans a little bit away from the correct path. Number two, First, you go off the right path a little bit. In other words, you like yourself a little bit. Then you become completely consumed by tires. Number three, you fall into Avedis. And number four, the fourth madreg is not only are you involved in Klippa, not only are you taken over by Klippa, not only are you involved in Avedas, you're doing it of Tzalachas. Who created all of this evil? The Amish to themselves. And the question of our Maimed is not how could godliness be there, is but why Amish that created evil and why we talk about it so So our Maimed is not going to analyze the godly presence in these low worlds, but the low worlds themselves, and this will do on Thursday.